شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقسط لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه من تبعهم بإحسان إلى الدين ما بعد فصل في بيان ما يحرم استعماله من الأواني وما يجوز This is a short, short chapter speaking about الأواني which is utensils, vessels يعني ومن بعد that buckets, cups Why do we speak of buckets and cups in باب الكتاب الطهارة Hmm Use the bucket to be herself. Use the bucket. Use the bucket to do ghusl. And you put water in the bucket and you use the water to do <laughs> to purify yourself. Huh. Be specific, okay? So we use the reason why we speak about buckets and utensils, you're right, you're right, you're correct. But I just wanted to make you specific. And the reason why we speak about this is because it is where water is stored. We we hold water where? Obviously these days we if it comes out from the tap. Like in, uh, in many places and also before, it used to be in buckets, buckets and cups and things like that. So because of that, they speak about Al-Awani in a short chapter here, uh, speaking about what you're allowed to use and what you're not allowed to use. Okay? So the author, Rahimahullah, he says, فِي بَيَانِ مَا يَحْرُمُ اسْتِعْمَالُهُ مِنَ الْأَوَانِ وَمَا يَجُوزُ What is it not allowed for you to use from the utensils and what you are allowed to use? So he says, وَلَا يَجُوزُ اسْتِعْمَالُ أَوَانِ الذَّهَبِ وَالْفِضَّةِ It is not allowed for you to use Vessels of gold and silver. Hmm. Page, of course. Uh, what page is it? In English. Bottom of page four, yeah? And the English. For the sisters who ordered the English book, it's also coming as well. Just now, inshallah, just wait. Listen. So you're not allowed to use gold and silver. And you're allowed to use all other types of vessels. So the reason why, so he says you're not allowed to use gold or silver. And that's because of the hadith of Hudayfa radiallahu anhu. He said, سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول, I heard the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم saying, لا تلبس الحرير ولا الديباج. Do you not wear silk? And harir and dibaj are just two, two types of silk. ولا تشرب في آنية الذهب والفضة. And do not eat, and do not drink in vessels of gold and silver. يعني, don't have a cup made of gold or silver. فَإِنَّهَا لَهُمْ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَلَكُمْ فِي الْآخِرَةِ Because they are, for, for you, they are for them in this dunya and for you in the akhirah. Who's them? The non-Muslims. So it's for the, these, these gold and silver, for the non-Muslims, they, they are the ones who use it. Does it mean that it's halal for them to use? No. Still haram for them to use, but they are the people who use it. Right? As narrated, and that was narrated by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. And in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, الَّذِي يَشْرَبُ فِي آنِيَةِ الذَّهَبِ وَالْفِضَّةِ that the one who drinks from gold and silver, he only puts in his uh, He puts in his stomach the hellfire. is that sound is the sound that when you know when you drink and that sound in your stomach, that sound that you have, it's called He's only putting in himself the, 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 the hellfire. So that shows that drinking from gold and silver is haram and it is not allowed.
Now, so from this we understand the prohibition of utensils of gold and silver. So what can you use gold and silver for and what can you not use gold and silver for? The usage of gold and silver are categories. There's categories of usage of gold and silver. And there's three. Or maybe more, let's see. Number one, the first usage of gold and silver is currency. And this is the origin of gold and silver. It is used as currency, buying and selling, the coins. Before paper money, all the money that you used to use was gold and silver. It was nothing else. So, that's the first usage of gold and silver. Number two is, the second usage of gold and silver is al-qunya. It's for just ownership, to keep your money somewhere, to keep it somewhere, to hold, holding it. Then you have a bar of gold to save. And that's also allowed. The third usage of gold and silver that's also allowed is when there is a need. Lilhaja, when there is a need. What do we mean by that? When you need to use gold and silver, for example, we have the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ when his cup broke. He mended it by getting gold or silver and fixing it, fixing the cup with the gold and silver. So you're allowed to use gold and silver to fix things. Similarly, the companion whose nose was cut off, his nose, he got and made a new nose made of silver, of gold. Right? An example of that would be someone's tooth broke. He's allowed to have a new tooth made of gold or silver. Or for example, the companions, when they used to have their sword, the, the handle, you know the handle that you hold, around it will be something to go around your, your hand. Okay? That will also be made of gold. Why? Because gold is soft. Gold is a soft metal. Okay? And it doesn't, it's not harsh on the, on the body, on the hand, when, you're, when they're holding it in battle. ولذلك, Abdullah ibn Zubayr, when he will be in battle, his hand, he will be, he will be, it will be so harsh on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the sword that he would not be able to open his hand after the battle. He will be, be holding it so hard, he wouldn't be able to open his hand. So he would have to get hot water to pour it and then his hand would open up. That's how, that's how fierce he used to fight with Abdullah ibn Zubayr Right? And that's, so these usages. So the point is here that using gold and silver for a need is allowed. When it's needed to, to mend something, to fix something, Okay, and the fourth usage is gold and silver is jewelry, and this one has tafsil. There's categories of it. Not all of it is allowed. Some of it is allowed. Some is not. Using it as jewelry. Okay, jewelry. When it comes to gold, then jewelry of gold is only allowed for women. It's not allowed for men. A man is not allowed to wear gold jewelry. Number two is that a woman, she's allowed to wear gold jewelry according to the customs. Yani according to what's normal. What do I mean by that? She's allowed to wear no, something that's known that is worn by women. For example, a ring. For example, earring. If it's normal in their society, nose piercing. If it's normal. Like, is she allowed to wear, is a woman allowed to wear a, a t-shirt of gold? A t-shirt of gold, is that normal? That's not normal, therefore she's not allowed. You understand? So she's allowed to wear jewellery according to the customs. As for silver, then it's allowed for men and women according to the customs as well. What do you mean by according to the customs again? 
anonymous people and it's normal to wear that kind of jewelry. So a man, he's allowed to wear a silver ring, for example, because it's normal. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, done it. Like in, in, in our society or in most societies, are, are women, men allowed to wear uh, silver necklaces? They're not allowed. Only amongst the kuffar recently. Some the Muslims recently have taken it. Like in general, it's only amongst the kuffar. So therefore it wouldn't be allowed. Right? If it's not normal. You understand? We're gonna we're gonna come to that inshallah. Was it behind it? Only for women? Yeah, I Because we know that they're not allowed to go against the customs in anything, in clothing. It's called shuhra. The principle is called shuhra. Yeah, and you're not allowed to wear anything that goes against the customs of the people that makes you stand out in a way that uh, is shuhra. It's not allowed. What if in a house that say husband likes to wear something? Yeah. It's different to that. No, that's in a house. Then it's not shuhra then. If it's outside, it's different. But yeah, it's it's not shuhra in that case. Tayyib, um, that's for, for, for silver, for men, right? So these are the usages of gold and silver. All other usages of gold and silver are not allowed. Yeah, and are you allowed to have a gold and silver spoon? No. Are you allowed to have gold and silver fork? No. The majority of our forks are made of steel. Like in a, and sometimes it's made of silver. This is problematic. You need to make sure that the, the, the forks that you're using aren't made of silver, especially in hotels. Some hotels, their, their forks and spoons are made of real silver. And a Muslim is not allowed to use that. Similarly, as a Muslim is allowed to have a statue made of gold or silver. Or a vase made of gold or silver. Or anything like that. Decorations of gold and silver. It's not allowed. طيب, and that's from, and from the things that you're not allowed to have as well. Al-awani. Any utensil, any vessel that is made of gold and silver. Now, what's the wisdom behind that? The scholars, they, they speak about wisdoms. Many different wisdoms behind it. Some they try to bring... يعني they say that it changes the water, things like that. لكن والله وعلم seems to be very strong is that two. يعني one main wisdom, which is the economic economical effect that it has on the society, the economical effect that it has on the society. Gold and silver is money. Gold and silver is money, currency. Therefore, using it as utensils or using it in something that's no that's not known to be for a need. It's not a need for it. There's no need for it. Is what? It's draining the economy. It's taking money outside of the economy. And thereby causing a low economy and economical crisis. Right? So because of that, this is from the wisdoms that it's not allowed for a person to take out gold and silver out of the economy without any reason. And we know in our sharia, our sharia covers everything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hasn't left out anything in the book, in the Quran, يعني, in our rulings. And from amongst the things, the, the sharia, when it is applied in the society, then that's when the society becomes uh, almost a perfect society. Almost a perfect society in as much as it can be when it's applied fully. And that's very rare. Like in, from those things that shows that this Islam is a perfect religion, is that we see the wisdom of, 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 of Islam prohibiting this in order to protect the economy. And this is something that most people wouldn't even know. They would just say, this is they wouldn't understand why. They would just say, this is my choice. I can have a toilet seat of gold. It's my, it's my choice. I've got the money, right? Like in Islam, it looks at this specific angle. And it looks at different angles as well. Some say because of the poor, that we shouldn't, <clears throat> we shouldn't make that. It breaks the heart of the poor people. And some of them, they say that um, it affects the water. And things like that. Wallahu alam. It has that economical effect. قال النووي رحمه الله تعالى في صحيح مسلم في شرح مسلم الإمام النووي سيد شرح مسلم قال أصحابنا أو سكولز دي سيد إن عقد الإجماع على تحريم الأكل والشرب وسائل الأعمال في إناء الذهب والفضة إلا ما حكي عن داود 
وقول قديم للشافعي أنه يكره. There is ijma. There's no difference of opinion amongst the scholars that it is not allowed for you to eat or drink <coughs> or do anything else using vessels of gold and silver, except there is some one scholar who went went against that. And that is Dawood. Dawood who? Dawood al-Zahiri. Al-Zahiri. وقول قديم للشافعي. An old opinion of Imam al-Shafi'i. لكن after that there's ijma. والله سبحانه وتعالى عالم. Then the author he says, وَيَجُوزُ اسْتِعْمَالُ غَيْرِهِمَا مِنَ الْأَوَانِ You're allowed to use any other type of utensils, even if they're expensive, ruby, emeralds, and it doesn't matter what type of uh, vessels it is, or what material it's made from, you're allowed to use it even if it's expensive, والله سبحانه وتعالى عالم, because, the reason why, because it only, the prohibition was only for gold and silver. Hmm. <laughs> How is the ijma' of Imam al-Shafi'i? First of all, Imam al-Shafi'i qawlun qadim, the old opinion of Imam al-Shafi'i, meaning he changed his opinion. As for Dawood al-Zahiri, then some of the scholars, they, uh, they, they, they mentioned that they don't consider sometimes the khilaf of the Zahiriya. Some of the fuqaha, they don't consider the difference of opinion of the Zahiris. Because they say that they have a lot of shad opinions. Some of the scholars, they mentioned that. So that's why Imam al-Nawi quotes that to be an ijma'. And even that sometimes, and you find that sometimes the uh, Dawood al-Zahiri and Ibn Hazm al-Zahiri, both of them, they go against something that there's really ijma'un before them. Abu Dawood al-Zahiri came later, uh, and before him there was ijma'. That's the reason why they quote it. And maybe it could be argue, argued against, maybe. Because Imam al-Nawi, rahimahullah, he does quote ijma' sometimes when there is no ijma'. Sometimes he does do that. Lakin wallahu alam is the difference of opinion. According to Imam al-Nawi, there's no difference of opinion. Wallahu the next chapter here is using the siwak and the miswak is as the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said that the siwak is something that purifies your mouth and it pleases your lord pleases allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the reason why we speak about the miswak in this chapter here on purification is because number one it is part of purification of the person's body Purifying your mouth. The siwak is the toothbrush that we use. Do you know the stick? The stick that you use to brush your teeth? That is the miswak. And the siwak and the miswak, they're two different words. As for miswak, it means the actual stick that you use. In the Arabic language, the ma'mim, when it has a kasra, and it's talking about for ismul ala, mif'ala, mif'ala, or mif'al, is for the ala. Yani it is the, it's the thing that is used. It's the thing that is used, it's a utensil. So for example, we have mil'aqah, for the spoon. Miswak, for the siwak, for the, 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 the thing that you use to eat, or the thing that you use to brush your teeth. You understand? So the miswak, the word miswak is referring to the actual stick. And the word siwak, the word siwak is referring to the action of brushing your teeth. It's referring to the action of brushing your teeth with that alat al-siwak. The reason why we speak about it again is because it's part of purification and also because it is part of wudu. It is part of wudu. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is narrated that he said, لَوْ لَا أَنْ أَشُقَّ عَلَىٰ أُمَّتِي لَأَمَرْتُهُمْ بِالسِّوَاكِ عِنْدَ كُلِّ وضوء. If it wasn't too hard for my ummah, I would have commanded them to use the miswak for every single wudu. Another hadith, لَوْ لَا أَنْ أَشُقَّ عَلَىٰ أُمَّتِي لَأَمَرْتُهُمْ بِالسِّوَاكِ عِنْدَ كُلِّ صَلَاةِ If it wasn't too hard for this ummah, <coughs> To do wudu for every, I would command them to use the miswak for every single salah. So that shows that miswak, miswak 
is part of tahara, part of purification. And this is the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the siwak is something that purifies your mouth and it pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The sharih says, This is an authentic hadith narrated by Ibn Khuzayma and Ibn Hibban al-Bayhaqi al-Nasai with an authentic chain narration. Bukhari it's narrated from different, different scholars. So, as for the miswak, he said, The siwak is mustahab, is recommended in all times. Right? And that's because of the fact that we know that the Prophet ﷺ, he would constantly use the miswak. The Prophet ﷺ, he would use the miswak when he would enter into his house in order to purify his mouth for his family. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, even to his deathbed, when he was on his deathbed and he was in the lap of Aisha radiallahu anha, and her brother Abdul Rahman ibn Abi Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhuma, he came inside the room and he had a miswak. And so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was too weak to even ask for it. And so he looked at it. And Aisha radiallahu anha said, فَعَرَفْتُ I knew that he loved the miswak. He said, so, فَأَخَذْتُهُ So I took it. Uh, I, 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 I chewed it for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and I made it uh, ready for him to use and so I gave it to him and I gave it to him he said that I never saw the Prophet she said the Prophet, I never saw the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam ever using the miswak in a more يعني, beautiful way or in a better way than he used it in that time because he was going to meet Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in his deathbed and then he said, and then when the Prophet وسلم, gave it back, that was the last moment of his, of his life والسلام, And so that shows that the Prophet وسلم, would use the miswak even, even at his deathbed. And so that's why the author Rahimahullah Ta'ala he mentions here, السواك مستحب في كل حال In all times the siwak is recommended. And then he mentions one exception. He says, إِلَّا بَعْدَ الزَّوَالِ Except for after zawal. After midday for the one who's fasting. And this is the opinion of Imam, um, from the, the, the mashur, the famous opinion of Imam Shafi'i and the Hanabila and the Hanafis that it is recommended only to use the miswak. <coughs> that it's recommended for a person to use the miswak all the time except for after midday for the one who's fasting. That's the only exception. According to them, according to them. What's the evidence that they bring for that? They say, okay, we, have, we know that it's always recommended. What's the evidence that it's recommended, that it's not recommended for the one who's fasting after midday? They say, the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, That the smell that comes out from the one who's fasting, the smell that comes out from the mouth of the person who's fasting is more beloved to Allah than the smell of musk or perfume. So they say, that this is uh, an, an evidence to show that the person who's fasting, he shouldn't use the miswak and to remove that smell. Like in, wallahu alam, what seems to be authentic, uh, what seems to be stronger is that this is for the day of judgment, yawm al-qiyamah. Just like the blood of the shaheed, the blood of the martyr. And the Prophet ﷺ said, That the blood of the, of the martyr is going to be the color of blood but the smell is going to be the smell of musk or perfume. And in, the, in one of the narrations of the hadith, in, in the narration of Muslim, he said, Yawm al-Qiyamah. 
the smell from the fasting person's mouth is more beloved to Allah on the day of judgment. And so that shows that this hadith cannot be used as an evidence to say that it is not recommended for a fasting person to use the miswak after midday. And this is the opinion of Imam Malik. And it's also opinion of Imam Shafi'i. But it is less known opinion. It is a less known opinion of Imam Shafi'i. Because it wasn't narrated from many scholars. Meaning his students, they didn't narrate it from him much. And the, one of the, the only person who narrated it from what I know, from what I remember, wasn't from his students. Rather, it's a Tirmidhi in his jami'. A Tirmidhi, it mentions in his, in, in his kitab, Sunan, in Sunan, he mentions that from, with his chain of narration to Imam al-Shafi'i, he said, and, it has been, and the opinion of Imam al-Shafi'i is that it is not hate, it's not, it's not disliked after midday. Because they say it's disliked after midday for the one who's fasting, the miswak. Like in, they said, the opinion of al-Shafi'i, rahimahullah, is that it's not disliked. And this seems to be the stronger opinion. And it's the opinion of Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala as well. That it's always recommended, even after midday, for the one who's fasting. Wallahu alam. Then he says, no. وقيل لا يكره الاستياك مطلقا وبه قال الأئمة الثلاثة ورجحه النووي وقال القاضي يكره في الفرض دون النفل خوفا من الرياء الله أعلم that would be interesting on the line that one وبه قال الأئمة الثلاثة نعم طيب لكن I don't think I don't think him Maybe he maybe it's a narration from Imam Ahmed because the opinion of Imam Ahmed and the Hanabila is that it's disliked as well. Yeah. Their opinion as well. And the Shafi'i opinion. Allah Alam, he means because Ahmed. Oh, no, no, Imam Ahmed dislikes it, that's I think. And Imam Shafi'i as well dislikes it. No, I mean, like, could it be like, for example, you know, Abdul Hajjah, he says, Ramahu al Arba, and he's known his men. Yeah, yeah. What does he mean, Naam? Yeah, it means a specific term, yeah. Yeah, obviously, yeah, yes, Interesting. check that who's referring to in that, in that opinion? Lakin is Mashur, it's known the opinion of Imam Shafi and also the opinion of Imam Ahmed. That is disliked after after Zawal. وهو في ثلاثة مواضع أشد استحبابا. Then he mentions three three places where it is more recommended. Three times where it is more recommended for the person to use the miswak. Number one is عند تغير الفم عند تغير الفم من أزم وغيره. When a person his mouth changes. Meaning the smell of the mouth changes. Whether it be from azm, azm is طول السكوت, for a person to be quiet for a long time. And if a person doesn't speak for a long time, the mouth, the smell of the mouth may change, right? So if that happens, then usually the miswak is good. Whenever your mouth, the, the smell changes, whether it be through being quiet, whether it be through eating something, whether it be any way your mouth changes, the color, the smell, then it is recommended for you to use the miswak. And the second one is وَعِنْدَ الْقِيَامِ مِنَ النَّوْمِ That when the, when the person gets up from sleeping 
because the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam narrated by um, Al-Mughirah ibn Shu'bah from Bukhari Muslim كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا استيقظ من نومه يشوص كان يشوص فاه بالسواك. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he used to uh, brush his teeth with the miswak when he would get up from sleeping. So whenever a person gets up from sleeping, it's recommended for them to use the miswak. وعند القيام إلى الصلاة and the third one is whenever he gets up to pray. Whenever you get up to pray, uh, then it is recommended for a person to use the miswak because of the hadith of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم when he said. لولا أن أشق على أمتي لأمرتهم بالسواك عند كل صلاة. As I mentioned to you guys before, if it wasn't hard upon this ummah, I would have commanded them to use the miswak for every single salah. So from the in these three places, it's more recommended for a person to use the miswak. In the hadith of Aisha رضي الله عنها, النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال ركعتان بالسواك أفضل من سبعين ركعة بلا سواك. And this hadith is weak. Wallahu subhanahu wa ta'ala a'lam Even though some scholars they authenticated it uh, That the two raka'ah with siwak is better than 70 without it Lakin Allahu a'lam And I've seen a lot of my shaykh from Azak And one of the people that I saw That really amazed me in this chapter In this in this thing Using the miswak for every single salah Is Sheikh Abdulaziz al-Rajihi Hafizahullah Every time I would see him And you, you can you, you catch him in Mecca In the haram a lot In front of the Kaaba That every single sunnah salah He would use the miswak He would pray sunnah Use the miswak, get up, and then pray another one. Then get up, use the miswak, another one. And you always have miswak in his. And, uh, and, I, and I think he got this from Sheikh Ibn Baz. Because Sheikh Abdul Aziz Rajihi, Hafizahullah, was one of the closest students to Sheikh Ibn Baz. He, he was with him for 35 years. Even though, even to the point that you even see the way he speaks is the same the way Sheikh Ibn Baz speaks. Wallah, exactly, almost exactly the same. You think, if you, if you weren't looking, you think Sheikh Ibn Baz speaking. And even the way he looks and the way he moves. If you see the video of Sheikh Mbaz, you see Sheikh Abdulaziz Rajihi, Hafizahullah, you see that from him. And he, subhanAllah, so I, I assume that he got that, even that from Sheikh Mbaz. Yani that he would use the miswak after every single sunnah salah, every salah that he's getting up for, he used the miswak again and again and again. And something that a person should constantly try to do uh, and apply. Now, is that clear? Any question about the miswak? Good. Uh, would using the toothbrush be a replacement? We say na- yes, it would be a replacement. Like in the miswak is better. The miswak is better. So if a person doesn't have a miswak, then they can replace it with a toothbrush, and inshallah they'll get a similar reward because they couldn't use the miswak. But if a person has a miswak, then he should use the miswak. Can he use the toothbrush on top of that? Of course he can. You can use both. Like in the best thing is to use the miswak. And the miswak is from the Arak tree. The tree known as Al Arak. Al Arak. Write that down. It's the roots of the Arak tree. The roots of the Arak tree. The roots of an Iraq tree. That's the miswak that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to use. So, there's no one who says standing to salah. Is it when the iqamah is being done? Yeah, just before you, just before you start the salah, whether it be just before by minute, by second, or before the iqamah, after the iqamah, no problem. All of that, all of that's okay. Before wudu. Before wudu or after. Yeah, good. As for wudu, then it is when you're doing. The madmada, when you're putting the water in your mouth, then you use the miswak at that time. Do you use the miswak just before Qayyam, just, just before the Qayyam? If there's a little stuff inside your mouth, uh, and you can't take it out because the Qayyam is done, what do you do? Before you start the salah, you take it out. And if you can't, then you can remove it. When you, if you're in salah, it's in your mouth, and you, you feel it in your mouth. Mm. 
طيب if the question from the sisters they can pass it on فصل في فروض الوضوء والسننه here we're speaking about الوضوء الوضوء and wudu is a condition of the salah and this is the removing from yourself what state الحدث الأصغر ماينا حدث the state of ماينا حدث حدث is what The state of impurity as opposed to physical impurity. So when you do wudu, you're raising from yourself the state of non-physical impurity. You are right now, if you don't have wudu, you're in a state of impurity. Just like if you're in Janaba, you're in a state of major impurity. If you're on your period, you're in a state of major impurity. If you don't have wudu, then you're in the state of minor impurity until you do wudu. Then you are completely pure and you can do the salah and other things. That are going that are haram upon you without it, without it, and we're going to mention that at the end. As for wudu, then it's something that's been mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah, something that everyone knows about, uh, and its virtues are many. From amongst the virtues of the wudu is what's narrated by Ibn Majah, rahimahullah taala. The Prophet والسلام, told us that with every drop of water, with every drop of water, then it is his sin. The sins is falling off. So from the eyes and from the ears. And from the hands and the face, every drop of water are your sins falling off. And from amongst the virtues of wudu is the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam narrated by Tirmidhi in his jami'. That the Prophet alayhi salatu wasallam he said, "Ra'itu Rabbi fi ahsani sura." That I saw my Lord, I saw Allah subhanahu wa taala in the most beautiful of forms. And he said to me, "Ya Muhammad, O Muhammad, hal tadri fi ma yaktasimu al-malaa al-aala?" Do you know what the highest of angels are debating and arguing about? And so the, Allah, the Prophet said, No, I don't know. And so he said, So he put his hands, He put his hands between my chest, on my chest, until I, found, I felt the coldness of the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala between his chest. And then he said, Ya Muhammad, do you now know what the highest of angels are speaking about and arguing about? And so the Prophet said, Naam, yes. And he said, Fi raf'id darajat. The, the things that raises your levels and the things that takes away a person's sins and that's what they're talking about and so he was asked what are, the, what are these things that that raises your levels and takes away your sins and they're all things that are to do with the salah this is imagine the importance of this issue because the angels are arguing about it it's not something small and sometimes a person may take the salah or wudu as something that's very easy and very smooth, not understanding how big is it, how big it is in front of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And so these are things that the angels are asking and speaking about. And so he said about the things that the angels are, the, the things that raises your levels in Jannah and removes your sins. He said, Number one is for a person to perfect his wudu despite it, it being hard. يعني your wudu, you wake up at Fajr time, it's cold and the water's cold. But despite that, you still perfect your wudu. You make sure it touches every body part. And you do the obligatory action, you do the sunnah. That's the, the thing that the angels are speaking about. The things that raises your levels. And we know how it takes away your sins, right? Every single drop of water is your sin falling away. And the second thing they're talking about is, the, or the thing that raises your levels are, the many steps to the masjid. The person walks to the masjid, walking to the masjid for the salah. 
This is something that raises your levels and takes away your sins. As in the hadith of the Prophet said, Every single step that you take to the masjid is a sadaqah, is a charity. Every single step. Every single step. And in the hadith, the Prophet told us that the step, one step would be raising your level and the other step is your sin falling down. So imagine if the masjid is far away from you, how many levels you're raising with each step, which eight, four, five times a day. And how many sins you're being forgiven for every single step that you take. Because every single step is a sin being forgiven and every single step, other step, is a level being raised. Um, and then he said, And waiting for salah, from one salah to another salah. You pray salah al asr, you wait until maghrib inside the masjid. And at the end of the hadith, the Prophet said, That is al-ribat. And al-ribat is the people who, they guard the Muslim lands at night. The people who are on the edge of the Muslim, the borders of the Muslim lands, and they guard it. This is called al-ribat. Right? That's so why the city in Morocco they say we called it Arribat because it was the place of the guarding, the guarding of the of the Muslim lands. It was the end of the Muslim lands, so they used to guard it from the from the enemies. And and the, and we know that many virtues of the person who does Arribat, the Prophet said, "Dalikum Arribat." This is the this is Arribat for a person to sit down in the masjid or in uh, in the masjid waiting from salah to the next salah. The point is that he said, "Kathratul al-makarih." For a person to perfect his wudu, despite it being hard. And from amongst those virtues that are similar, it has been narrated that it's about salah, but similar to wudu as well. In the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he said, أَرَأَيْتُمْ لَوْ أَنَّ بِبَابِ أَحَدِكُمْ نَحْرًا يَغْتَسِلُ مِنْهُ كُلِّ يَوْمٍ خَمْسَ مَرَاتٍ Do you guys see that if there was a river at, the, at your door, you come out of your house, there's a river at your door. And you have a bath in that river every single day five times. هَلْ يَبْقَى مِنْ دَرَنِهِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ Would there be any dirt left on you? There will be no dirt left on you having a bath five times a day. So the Prophet said, That is the example of the five daily prayers. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives your sins through it. And so the virtues of wudu and the salah are so many to be mentioned. So it's important for a person to make sure that they do the wudu correctly because it's the condition of the salah. And if they don't do it correctly, then not only are they not getting that reward, but rather they're sinning. And they're committing a major sin. We know the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, not about wudu but about cleanliness when he walked past two graves and he said, Both of these people in these graves are being punished and they're not being punished for something that's huge. Yani something they, they couldn't stay away from. They could have stayed away from the, this thing that they've been punished for. One of them, he never used to protect himself when he used to go to the toilet. He used to go to the toilet and he used to just go, go all over himself. He used to go. Yeah, and he used to splash on him and think, and he wouldn't wash himself after. He never used to protect himself from the urine. And then also we have the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, with the companions. They were um, doing wudu because the salah, was about, the salah time was about to finish. And they were in battle. They were traveling. And so the Prophet وسلم, saw them rushing their wudu to the point that some of their heels wouldn't be washed properly. So the Prophet والسلام, Nada bi'ala sawti has narrated by Bukhari. He said with his highest voice, Destruction is going to be to the heels from the hellfire. Watch out. Watch out. Woe to the heels from the hellfire. Yani because they wouldn't do their heels properly. He said, The hellfire is for the hills, for these hills that don't do wudu properly. So a person needs to make sure that they know how to do wudu and that they take care in their wudu to make sure that it touches every single spot. And from amongst the virtues of this wudu, is the hadith of Abu Hurairah narrated by Al-Bukhari and Muslim 
the Prophet ﷺ, he told us about his ummah. This our ummah, our, uh, us Muslims, we will come on the day of judgment. And he says, Inna ummati yatuna yawm al-qiyamah. My ummah, they will come on the day of judgment. Ghurra muhajjaleen min athari al-wudu. They will come with ghurra muhajjaleen. Yani, you know when a, a horse, uh, you don't know. Like, you guys don't know. When a horse, most people don't know. When a horse, I don't know. I, I, I just read it in the books of hadith. Like in the people who, who knows about horses, who know about horses, and back in the days they know about it. Yani, um, a horse or a camel, when they would have dry, they would have a dry patch on their, on their face here, or they have a dry patch on their knees, it's a sign of beauty for them. Sign of beauty for them. A dry patch. You know when you do wudu and you have that dry, that dry skin. For them, that's a sign of beauty in, in the horses and the camels. So he said, In ummati yatun yawm al-qiyamati ghurra muhajjaleen. My ummah, they will come in that state. Ghurra muhajjaleen, they have that dry patch of wudu on the day of judgment. Ghurra muhajjaleen min athari wudu. And that's how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would recognize them as we took in the, as we taken in the hadith in remember Kitab al-Tawheed when he said that my ummah, they will come Ala ya'raaytum law an awna al-fadl al-islam Remember fadl al-islam we've taken this hadith Araaytum law kan li ahadikum khayl If you guys had, if someone, if someone had horses So the, the, the companions, they asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam كيف تعرف أمتك يوم القيامة? How are you going to know your ummah on the day of judgment? How are you going to recognize? There's so many millions and billions of people. How are you going to recognize your ummah from amongst everyone else? He said, Do you not see if one of your, if you guys had horses and you had horses غرم بهم, uh, you had you had horses that had these signs of that dry patches. ألا يعرف خيله? One of you, do you not know which one is your horse and which one is not your horse? You do because your horse has those signs. You know which one is your horse. So that's why the, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, just like that. فَإِنَّ أُمَّتِي أَتُونِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ غُرًّا مُحَجَّلِينَ مِنْ أَثَارِ الْوُضُوءِ My Ummah, they will come on the Day of Judgment from the side, and they will have those signs of wudu on their body, on their arms and in their face. And from this Abu Hurairah, the narrator of the hadith, he understood, he understood, and he was opposed. Other companions, they went against him. But he understood from this, he said, فَمَنْ اسْتَطَاعَ مِنْكُمْ أَنْ يُطِيلَ غُرَّتَهُ وَتَحْجِيلَهُ فَلْيَفْعَلْ Whoever amongst you is able to extend your and because you're gonna have more nur on the day of judgment, this Abu Hurairah's understanding, and companions they went against him on this because it would be um, something the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam never done. So, and he, would, and he would instead of stopping at his ankles, he would stop at his shin, right, and or higher, higher up his shin, something that wasn't needed to be done. So the point here is that he would do this because of the from the, the point here is that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam will recognize his ummah because of the signs of wudu so what about the person who did, comes on the day of judgment and never used to pray would he be recognized by the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam no he wouldn't and even the angels in the hellfire the angels in the hellfire when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would give the shafa'a he would intercede for his ummah and to the point that the prophet wasallam, or allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would say take out from the hellfire Anyone, man kana fi qalbihi mithqalu dharratin min al-iman. Anyone who had even a an ant's weight of iman in his heart, take them out from the hellfire. So the angels they would say, how would we how would we recognize such people who have signs of iman in their heart? I mean, who have the that weight of iman in their heart, ants' weight of iman? How can we recognize such a person? And so Allah will say, by the signs of sujood on their forehead. It does not mean that the sign of sujood, that black thing that brothers and sisters they might have on their forehead, which is not bad. But it's not, that's not what the sign of wudu of sujood is that is mentioned in the Quran and Sunnah. The sign of wudu that is mentioned in the Quran and Sunnah on the Day of Judgment that is praised is the sign that is on the Day of Judgment. It was not on this dunya. That's when Allah says, سِيْمَاهُمْ فِي وُجُوهِهِمْ مِنْ أَثَرِ السُّجُودِ 
in, in Surah Al-Fatih that they have signs of sujood on their forehead, on their, on their faces, it's not the, that thing on the forehead. That's not what it's speaking about. Because anyone can have that. Uh, and some people, they might do a lot of sujood and they don't, have, they don't have it. And some people, they might do no sujood and they have it. And they have, or they do very little sujood and they have it. So it's not a sign of iman or anything like that. But the point is that the angels, they will recognize these people in the hellfire because they used to pray. But they used to do a lot of sins, so they deserve to go to the hellfire. Then they'll be taken out of the hellfire because they have the tawheed and because of the salah that they had. So this is the importance of wudu. So now we need to go through the pillars of wudu and how a person does wudu correctly. So he says, The obligations of wudu and its sunan. There are six obligatory acts of wudu. So what we mean by these six obligatory acts of wudu are these six acts are the pillars of wudu. If a person leaves out any one of these, then his wudu is not correct. If a person leaves out any one of these acts, then his wudu is incorrect. And if a person does all six, then his wudu is correct, even if he doesn't do other sunan, other uh, voluntary acts of wudu. Okay? These six acts of wudu are mentioned in Surah Al-Ma'idah, ayah number six. And I mention this all the time to the students. Surah Al-Ma'idah, ayah number? Ayah number six. Memorize the ayah. Okay, memorize that ayah. When you memorize the ayah, you understand, you will know all of the six acts of wudu, and you'll be fine. You know how to do wudu fully. So let's go through these six acts of wudu. Fara'idul wudu is sitta. These six acts of wudu. Number one, aniyyah, intention. The first obligatory act of wudu is intention. Now, is there a specific time we have to make intention? They say that the intention should be made before washing the face. Or, يعني, minimum before washing the face. If you do it after washing the face, then you have to start again. Like, if you do it way before, it's fine. يعني, يعني, just before by a few seconds, no problem. If you, or before doing your hands. Because you do your hands before your face, but the hands are sunnah. But the face is the first obligatory act. So the intention is to be before the face. No. What if someone has the intention to make no, it doesn't have to have. It doesn't have to pass their mind. As long as they know what they're doing, they know they're making wudu. Then, isn't that's an intention? As we mentioned, a person shouldn't go into great detail when it comes to these the, the issue of intention because it causes waswas in a lot of people. So a person should. Imam Shafi, remember the call of Imam Shafi when he said, The intention is an off branch of knowledge. If you know what you're doing, then you have the intention to do it, and you know you're doing wudu. So you have the intention to do it. That's fine. طيب. So the first thing is uh, for a person uh, to have the intention. And the intention here is الحدث, The intention of raising from yourself the state of non-physical impurity. The intention to raise from yourself the, the, the state of non-physical impurity. It's a sign because you know what you're doing. It's like suhoor. Having suhoor is a sign of your intention of, of eating. You don't have to say it. You don't have to say intention ever. 
Saying the intention is not is not sunnah. The Shafi'is they believe it's sunnah. Shafi'i he believes it's sunnah to say the intention of salah and wudu, no way to salli, all of these kind of things. That's the in Shafi'i opinion. Like in, it's correct is that it's not it's not sunnah at all. It's not sunnah to say it. So if you know what you're doing, you have an intention to do it. طيب. نعم وبعد حج عمره saying the intention is that an intention لبيك اللهم حج عمره it's not an intention والله أعلم what seems to be stronger it's not intention it is إظهار النسك just إظهار التلبية you're just bringing out the تلبية you're saying the تلبية لبيك اللهم لبيك so why what's the what's the evidence for that the evidence for that is that if a person doesn't say is حج correct yes it is so there's not them يعني if a person doesn't say did we say that he didn't have intention he did so the intention clearly is in the heart. So now is it sunnah? Is now what is he saying? What he's saying is it the intention, or is it idhar al-nusuk or idhar al-talbiya? Is it just bringing out the talbiya and saying the talbiya? That seems to be stronger. Like this, it's not. It's not intention at all. Yani because some of the shafi'is what they say is that to make to make it يعني, seem a bit more um, authentic, that you can say the intention. Say we say it in hajj. Say no, we don't say it in hajj because in hajj you don't make an intention in your tongue. You're just saying the nusuk, you're saying the talbiya, you're saying it. طيب. It's the talbiya, it's not there, it's not intention what you're saying there. Because you're not saying nawaitu and a hujja. No, you're not saying that, you're saying labbaik Allahumma hajj, just like you say labbaik Allahumma labbaik, figure out the whole hajj. So it's just ithhar and nusuk. طيب. So intention, a niya. The intention to do wudu is the first obligatory act. And that is in the ayah, ya ayuhal ladhina amanu, idha qumtum ila salah. When you intend to stand up for the salah, when you intend to stand up for the salah, this is intention. In the ayah. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِذَا قُمْتُمْ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ فَاغْزِلُوا وُجُوهَكُمْ وَأَيْدِيَكُمْ إِلَى الْمَرَافِقِ وَامْسَحُوا بِرُؤُوسِكُمْ وَأَرْجُلَكُمْ إِلَى الْكَعْبَيْنِ وَإِنْ كُنْتُمْ جُنُبًا فَاتَّحَّرُوا Those are the signs of the wudu part. Then وَإِنْ كُنْتُمْ جُنُبًا فَاتَّحَّرُوا and that's the second pillar of wudu, washing the face. Here we have two important words. We have washing and we have the face. And we have to define both of them. As for washing, then the scholars of Arabic, they say that washing, al-ghasl, is different to al-masih, to wiping. Wiping is something and washing is something else. And what we have been obliged to do is to wash the face. Okay? So washing is to make sure that you have water and you move it to your face. To move it to your face, as opposed to wiping, which is to have wet hands. So you get water, for example, then you just have your hands like that. Is there any water on your hands? No, it's just wet. Your hands wet. So you have water on your hands, and then you wipe your face. This is called masih, and it's not it's not allowed, and it's not washing. It's not considered to be washing the face. You have to make sure that water is on your hand and it goes onto your face. Okay. Is that clear? Obviously, we're not saying that a person needs to get a huge amount of water to make sure the water moves the whole thing all the way to his face and make sure that they don't have uspas on this issue. And you just make sure that you have water and you're not doing mesh. You're not just wiping your face like that when a person just gets a small amount of water. For example, the water here, and it's still that's like that. That's not wudu. You can't do that. You can't do wudu like that. You understand? You get the water, you put it in your hand, and then you move it to your face. Al ghasl. That's what ghasl is. You understand what ghasl is? Does anyone not understand what ghasl is? Tayyib. That's the, that's the whole point. Someone gets water in their hand and they drop it, then is that called ghasl anymore? No, it's not. Because 
you, you, you're taking the water away now. Now it's called masah. If you dropped it fully, then if you dropped it fully, if someone dropped it partially, then it's fine. طيب? That's ghasl, washing. And then we have the face. The face is, the definition of the face is مَا تَحْصُلُ بِهِ الْمُوَاجَهَةِ Whatever you have, whatever you use to face towards people. And what is intended here is from the, the hudud of the face, يعني the limits of the face is the original hairline to the chin. And from the ear to the ear. The original hairline to the chin and from ear to ear. Is the, micro, is the camera working? Is Ibrahim here? It's gone now. Maybe they can't see. No, not the camera, sorry, the, the, the TV. The TV. The other side. They can see the face. Yeah, and the face is from here, the hairline, the original hairline, to the chin. And from ear to ear. What commonly gets missed out is this part. You know, this, the part right next to your ear, that is between your hair and your ear. This part here. Okay? Commonly a person doesn't wash that, pers- that part. Right? A person needs to make sure it gets water gets all the way there. And what a lot of people, they do just wash the front. That is, that's it. That's just, just the front of the face. As for the side where the, the beard is, the, che- the cheek, and it's ear, the end of the cheek, where it's next to the ear, or the end of the jawline next to the ear, they don't wash that a lot, common. So that a person needs to make sure that they wash that, because this is part of wudu. Remember we said this is the obligatory acts of wudu. If you don't do it, then your wudu is incorrect. And if you do it, then your wudu is correct. Taib, now. Is that called bayad? No. Some of the scholars, they call it al-bayad, ma bain al-udhanin wa al-lihya. Al-bayad, it's not called al-bayad. Bayad means the white part. Yeah, and it's the white part. Yeah, and the part that's showing that has no hair on it. Mm. You have to wash it, yeah. That's what I'm talking about, yeah. Mm. Yeah, the, ch- the cheek. Yeah, the cheek here. Yeah. It's part of it. As for underneath here, yeah, it's not part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm coming to that, inshallah. That's, that's part of it. Yeah. No. Yeah, the woman has to cover. Is that the same definition? Yes, exactly. Hasn't. Are you allowed to what? Oh yeah, it's fine. You don't have to use your hand. Sunnah to use your hand. And the Maliki says wajib. Like a sunnah. You don't have to. Mm. So you can't do it, yeah. The Hanabli they mentioned that in this, uh, the nose mm. is included. No, the Hanabli they mentioned the nose and the mouth is included. Yeah, that that is the opinion. Their opinion, like Allah is not, it's not included. This, uh, the majority of scholars say it's not, and obviously it's safer for a person to make sure they do the mouth and nose. But is it included? Is it part of the face and obligatory of the face? The Hanabli they mentioned that, and the evidence is that they say that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said the face. The evidence that we say is that Allah, everything that's obligatory in wudu is mentioned in this ayah here. So, the face, so, and what they say, okay, yes, we agree, but the face is part of, um, uh, the nose and the mouth is part of the face. We say, no, it's not necessarily part of the face, because uh, the face is what ma tahsul bin muajah, as we said. Whatever you use to face the people, you don't open your mouth to face the people. You don't open the inside of your nose, not where the people face towards. And then, but they say, no, the Prophet ﷺ always done it, and he, therefore he defined what the face is. They say that. Like, Wallahu alam, there's things that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa done that was sunnah. Such as the hands before the wudu. By ijma' it's sunnah to wash the hands before wudu. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa always done it. 
So that shows that not just the fact that Prophet ﷺ always done it, it shows the sunnah, it doesn't show that it's a part of the face. Yeah. Fasting, you should avoid to push the water too far. Mm. So they say that Muslims didn't allow it, and say so just don't do it. So you have to do it, but just be careful. No, not necessarily. Yeah, and if a person, Ibrahim, uh, is this? Is this the HDMI working? Because oh. um, we need it for, for today's lesson, but it's okay. We'll do the next lesson. It's gonna be working. It's gonna be working. Inshallah. Uh, now, the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu when he said that. Um, it shows that a person does it, a person is, but it doesn't show obligation. It doesn't say that it's an obligatory act there. It shows that you do do madmada wal istinshaq and you do mubalagha unless you're fasting. You put it all the way up until you're fasting, but it doesn't necessarily show that it's obligatory there. Who didn't have the, who asked the book for the book last week and didn't ask for the book last week, yeah? Okay, basically, I only got I only got the English because the English you got the Arabic in it as well. Has the Arabic in it as well. So the brothers who asked for it, there's tw- there was fourteen brothers and the rest are sisters. So the rest are the sisters. You got it in your hand. They asked for it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Who else? One, two, three, four, five. He's not here. I think that's problematic if they're not here. Even if you ask for it, and it, it should become the lesson, then you're asking for it for the lesson, <laughs> not for it to read at home. Ibrahim, <laughs> what's the sister? Yeah, put the hand up. Yours? A friend of yours asked for it. You asked for it last week. I got it. I'm done. Wait then. No, he didn't ask for it, right? Oh, Abdul Kareem. Oh, yeah, yeah, he asked for it, right? Yeah, yeah he asked for it. Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant Kareem, your cousin. Only oh, the brothers who asked for it. The Arabic one? We're not doing Arabic. It's only English. Because it has Arabic in it. I realize so I would just, I just get the Arabic. You would do it, right? Yeah, yeah give him the... Give him the Who else? That's it. Everyone else is not here? Anjib, okay, give it to the brothers that... Are, yeah. One, two. Oh, you got a question, yeah? Brother there. I'm going to take for sisters then. The rest of the sisters. Is any brother who, does, who needs it? Who hasn't, who hasn't got the book? They're going to attend the lessons? They're going to attend the lessons? Hi. How much did you give up? Six. Six, seven, huh? Six, so yeah, six, seven. Eight, nine, ten. I can give it the rest of the sisters. If there's any left, then bring it back. I think this should be 15, looks like it. Just the sisters. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's the sisters. Take the books. The, brother, the sisters who were here last week and asked for the and ordered it, they have it. If there's if there's uh, any spares after them, then they can take them. For the one who's going to attend the classes only, and anything that has left, they bring it back. Nabas. wash in the face. Now another com- another. Uh, question. Sorry. 
Now, if he missed it unintentionally, then obviously in that case the person is excused for his ignorance. He didn't know. So inshallah, salah is valid, but the person just carry on from now on. Make sure they do it from now on. Another common factor, another common issue that occurs um, is the beard. The beard about the face. Now, a person, the face is, the, the, skin, the, the beard is not part of the face. It's not the definition part of the face. Like in, it's extra part of the face. And the, shirik, the principle that we have in the sharia is that the badil, the replacement, takes the ruling of the thing that it replaced. The replacement takes the ruling of the thing that it replaced. And this is the principle in the Sharia. In many parts of fiqh. Okay? The badil, the replacement takes the position of al-mubdal minhu. It takes, the, it, takes the, it takes the place of what it replaced. So, a beard is a replacement of part of the face. Therefore, a person must wash over the beard. He must wash over the beard. Now, does that, what does that mean? It replaced the skin. So that means you have to wash the skin as well. You don't have to wash. You don't have to wash the skin because you replaced it. That's if it is replacement. If it is a replacement, that is a thick beard. What does it mean by a thick beard? A beard that covers the skin. You know, you can't see the skin behind. If you can't see the skin behind the beard, then it's a replacement. If you can't see your skin behind the beard, then the beard is not a replacement. So therefore, you have to still wash the face. You still have to wash the skin. How? By doing tahlil, putting your fingers through, making sure that your fingers go through to the skin. Make sure the water goes to the skin. From this we understand that the beard is two types, right? We have a thick beard and a thin beard. A thick beard is a replacement for the skin, therefore... Hmm. The, you just have to wash over the beard because it's a thick beard. It takes a replacement. And a thin beard is what? What's a thin beard? What's a thin beard? Definition. It's the one that you can see the skin behind. You see this? You can see the skin behind. Okay? You can see the skin behind the beard. Therefore, it's not a replacement. Therefore, I have to make sure the water goes through all the way to the skin. Is that clear? So, would you understand the difference between the thin beard and thick beard now? Huh? And the, the ruling behind it. Is it clear to anyone? Is it unclear to anyone? Please ask me. Hmm. Sorry? Hmm. If it's a thick beard, you just wash over it. Like this. You don't have to know. Takhleel of a thick beard, you don't have to. You don't have to put your fingers through the thick beard. Like this. You don't have to, but it's sunnah. Because can Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa has narrated by Ibn Abbas. He used to put his th- fingers through the beard. That's sunnah though. As for the obligation, is for you just to wash it. Wash over it. Is that clear? Anyone not clear for that? Hmm. Yeah, you wash underneath it. And you go, you go through it. Yeah, inshallah, hopefully. Inshallah, so that's my situation. <laughs> next one is The next obligatory act of wudu is to wash the hands, including the elbows. Because Allah said in the Quran, فَغْسِلُوا وُجُوهَكُمْ وَأَيْدِيَكُمْ إِلَى الْمَرَافِقِ Wash your hands إلى until the elbows, meaning including the elbows. مَعَ الْمِرْفَقِينَ Including the elbows. And what we know what wash means, right? We've taken that, right? So we don't have to repeat that. Wash. Wash your hands. What's the hand? The hand that's intended is from the fingertips up to the elbows. Including the elbows. And that obviously means that you're going to have to get some part of your 
uh, is that called tricep? This part of the arm. Okay? You have, to get, you have to get some part of it because you have to include the elbow. You have to wash the whole elbow. Well, a common mistake is some people, they just wash this part, the wrist. From the wrist up to the elbow. They just wash their wrist up to the elbow. And this is not correct. You have to wash your fingertips from the fingertips all the way to the elbow with water. Because they say, I washed my hand at the beginning. Say, no, the washing your hand at the beginning was sunnah. This one is an obligation. It's a fard. It's a pillar. Therefore, you have to do all of it. Mm. No, just the fingertips. You don't have to be underneath, no. Mm. I don't know any difference of opinion on this. No. Do you have, have you heard a different difference opinion? No. Just make sure water touches every part. Whether you do it like this, or if you do it like this, it's not. Make sure water touches every single part. Sunnah is to do this, yes, to make sure fingers go through in between. But you make sure water goes through every single part until the elbows. Mm. Get water here and you, pull it over your arm you can do that. You can do those. You can do both. You can do any of that. The specific action. The hands. Yeah. I don't know any difference of opinion on that. Allah Alaihi Um The next obligation is wiping the head. Masah, wiping the head. It's not washing, right? Wiping the head. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the ayah, And wipe your head. Wipe your head. Now, the, some of the mutun, do you guys all have, what does it say in Arabic? Does anyone have anything different? Wiping part of the hair. And this is the, this is the Shafi'i opinion. That's the uh, opinion of Imam Shafi'i, the real opinion, which is to wipe part of the hair. Wipe part of the hair. Because they say that you only have to wipe a small part of the hair. And they say that the minimum is three hairs, three hair strands. If you wipe three hairs, then you've wiped your head. So yani, if someone just gets water, touches the head, that's fine. Why? Because they say in the eye, it says, Wipe, and they say, Be. It didn't say, it didn't say, wipe your head. It says, wipe part of your head. They say the bat means, it means part of your head. And the other opinion, which seems to be stronger, is that you have to wipe all of your head. You have to wipe all of your head. Why? Because the bat doesn't show that. The bat doesn't show the Rather, it's It shows that it is, you have to make sure that it just wipes your head. You have to wipe your whole head. Okay? Um, what, what is wiping? It's for a person to make their hands wet and to wipe over the hair. So you just, like this, wipe over it. That's it. A minimum of once. All of this, by the way, is a minimum of one time. White washing, all of it is one time. Like in wiping the hair is only once. And wiping, all wiping in the Sharia is once in the Sharia. All wiping is once in the Sharia. Wiping the hair, wiping the khuf, wiping the sock, wiping the jabira, the plaster cast, wiping imama. Wiping the khimar, the hijab, all of it is once. All of it is once, yeah. The sunnah, yeah. So it's sunnah for you to go all the way back and then come from the back until the front. Okay, that's sunnah. But the minimum is what? Just wipe it once. Okay? It shows that it is, uh, it is close proximity. You have to make sure that it wipes the actual head. 
And where do they get their free strands? Because they have to look at what's the minimum that we could say that is wiping. So they say it means three strands. They don't take it from any evidence. So what's the minimum that we understand from it? If you've got long hair, you wipe all, all, all the way to the back. It's sunnah. You don't have to wipe. The point is that you have to wipe the head. The head. Why does Allah say the head? Because some people don't have hair. So you wipe the head. You don't have to go all the way, you have to go all the way down to the bottom of the hair for the woman, for example. She doesn't have to go all the way down. She has to make sure that her head, so she goes all the way back to the bottom and that's fine. Because remember we said that The replacement takes the ruling of what is replaced. And the head, if it's replaced by hair, because you have hair, then it takes that ruling. Mm. Just, last question, we take questions at the end. No, it doesn't have to go all the way back. It doesn't have to be front back. It can be back front. That's fine. Mm. Mm. Oh, waves. <laughs> Wipe your heads. Um. What comes under this, what, what, what comes under this also is wiping over the imama and wiping over the khimar, the hijab. And it's beneficial especially for the sisters when they're in public, if they need to do wudu for example. And they don't want to take off their hijab, their khimar, then it's allowed for them to wipe over their heads. It's allowed, to, it's allowed for them to wipe over their khimar. Similarly for the man who's wearing a turban which is hard to take off. An imama which is hard to take off. Not a hat like this. An imama which is hard to take off then it's allowed for them to wipe over their head because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he done that as narrated by Al-Mughirah ibn Shu'bah radiyallahu anhu and the Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wasallam tawadda wa masaha bi nasiyatihi wa ala imamatihi wa ala al-khuffain the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he wiped when he wiped over his head tawadda masaha bi nasiyatihi he wiped the, the four lock of his head yeah, and the front the front of the head, the front hair the front hair he wiped over it and then he went for the rest he done it on the imama okay and also on the khuffain he wiped over his socks so the point, of, the point here is that that you have to wipe over the whole head and يعني, is, to say it is part of the head is that a weak opinion? يعني, they have the evidences as well they have many evidences to be honest they do like Allah the safest just to make sure that you wipe your whole head then he says the next one is to wash your feet including your ankle because Allah says in the Quran وَأَرْجُلَكُمْ إِلَى الْكَعْبَيْنِ Wipe, wash your feet, including the ankle. So everything below the ankle must be washed, including the ankle. Mm. Are the ears included with the head? Good question. And some of the scholars, they say the ears are included with the head. And the evidence that they use, the hadith of the Tirmidhi, the Prophet said, Al-udunani min al-ras. That the two ears are part of your head. So therefore, you have to wash your ears, according to the hadith, and it's authentic by Shaykh al-Albani. So, Wallahu alam, you should wash your ears now. It's part of it, inshaAllah. Hmm. Now, as for the neck, wiping the neck, then this is the opinion of uh, Hanifa, and this is a weak opinion. The opinion is very weak because the hadith is mawdu'. It's a made-up hadith, fabricated hadith. The scholar they said that the hadith is fabricated, fabricated. So therefore, it is not a sunnah at all. Uh, the next one is so the feet. We understand the feet, everything below the ankle, and the ankle. A lot of people don't know what the ankle is. What's the ankle? It's the bone, right? The bone that sticks out at the bottom of someone's foot. Is that clear? Um, and it has to be in this order. The last one is, the last obligatory act of wudu is that it has to be in order. It has to be in this order. What's the evidence that it has to be in this order from the ayah? From the evidence is that the ayah 
itself. And this is something that the scholars they bring, and this is the opinion of Imam Ahmed and Imam Shafi'i as opposed to Imam Abu Hanifa and Imam Malik. They say it's not a condition or not a pillar, but it is, Wallahu alam, because first of all, we had the hadith of, of Humran, Mawla Uthman, and the hadith of Zayd ibn Khalid al Juhani, and the hadith of uh, and all of these hadith with, with, with the, that narrated the wudu of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and all of them were in the same order. And similarly, another evidence, clear evidence, the ayah. The ayah says, "Ya ayyuhaladin amanu, O you who have iman, ida qumtum ila salah, when you stand up for salah, faghsilu wujuhakum, then wash your faces, faghsilu wujuhakum, muaydiyakum ila al-marafiq, and wash your hands up to the elbows, and including the elbows." وَامْسَحُوا بِرُؤُوسِكُمْ And wipe your heads وَأَرْجُلَكُمْ And wash your feet Wash your feet إِلَى الْكَعْبَيْنَ تَدْعَنْكُمْ يعني in normal kalam, normal speech A person, in, whether it be Arabic or non-Arabic And Arabic is based on السُّهُولَ Ease is a side benefit Arabic language, the Arabic language is a language that The easier you speak يعني the easier it is for the person who's listening to understand As long as you don't make any mistakes the easier it is for them to understand, the more eloquent is considered speech. That's why the Quran is the most eloquent of speech because it's very easy to understand for the Arabs. And even despite يعني, how easy it is, it was mu'jiz. يعني, it's impossible for the people to even uh, make something similar to it. Because the subject of balagha, which is eloquence, and it's a whole subject that you learn in Arabic. You, learn, you know, you learn nahu, sarf, grammar, for morphology, and you learn balagha, which is eloquence. Different how something is more eloquent than how one speech is more eloquent than another type of speech, and the Arabic is based on ease. Well, they used to hate someone who used to do takalluf, someone who used to go overboard when it comes to his speech, or they would use words that are not known, or words, or they used to words, use letters that were not known, words that are gharib, and strange words that people don't know. Mali, Araka. مالي أراكم تكعكعتم كماري مالي أراكم تكعكعتم كتكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكعكع
Mm, okay. So he says, Was sunanuhu ashrun. Now we're taking the sunan of wudu. Yeah. وأرجو وأرجو إيش أرجو لها أرجو لكم يا because it says in this Arabic language نحو الله said فغسلوا وجوهكم ها فتحة وجوهكم فغسلوا وجوهكم وأيدي يا وأيديكم وامسحوا برؤوس سكم so it's different وأرجو لكم. So what's arjulakum following? وامسحوا برؤوسكم أو واغسلوا وجوهكم. وجوهكم. So following because فتحة. وجوها. أيديا. أرجلا. It's following, right? Because they all it's called معطوف. It's called عطف. عطف is that it is it means what it means in the Arabic language in Arabic grammar. This is the importance of knowing grammar because if you don't know grammar, you would misunderstand the whole speech. The importance of knowing grammar. What is, what is understood from this is wash your face, wash your hands, wipe your head, wash your feet. Because wash the feet, the fatha there, it is following the fatha of the face and the hands. Because it is maf'ulun bihi. Maf'ulun bihi waghsilu is the fi'il amr, the command. Wash. What's the maf'ulun bihi of, of the fi'il amr? Is wujuhakum, aidiyakum, and arjulakum, all three. And you have to understand Arabic grammar to understand that. Right. Socks. What shoes? Are you allowed to wipe off the shoes? Some scholars, they allow it if they cover your ankle. As long as the shoes that cover your whole feet. Like we're going to speak about that in a whole different chapter, inshallah, in more detail. Tayyib. Tayyib, a question someone might ask. In a qira'ah, وَأَرْجُلِكُمْ إِلَى الْكَعْبُونَ There's a qira'ah. وَأَرْجُلِكُمْ إِلَى الْكَعْبُونَ Different qira'ah. What's the, where, where do we get that from? I mean, how do we explain that? We explain it بالمجاورة, because it's next to it. In Arabic language, sometimes you have a word, it will take the Arab of the word before it because of the fact that it's next to it only. As for the meaning, then it's the same meaning. And it's called Mujawara. So anyone, anyone who knows about that, you understood it. And if you don't know, then inshallah, you, you will know when you get to it. Inshallah. Is there evidence for Masih? No. No, it's not. Because some scholars they do say that. Some scholars say it's evidence for wiping over the socks, like and it's not. Because we don't wipe over our feet, we wipe over our socks. And it says, وَمْسَحُوبِ And it says, وَأَرْجُلِكُمْ Your feet. It speaks about the feet, it doesn't speak about the socks. So it's not evidence for the socks. Like in the socks, we'll go to it. He has many different, it's mutawatir. And we'll go to it, inshallah ta'ala, when we get to it. طيب, uh, the sunnah of wudu. Number one, to say bismillah before you start. This is a voluntary act of wudu. To say bismillah, tasmiyah, tasmiyah. Why? Because the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam narrated by al-bihaqin is sunan. Tawadda'u bismillah. He said, do wudu in the name of Allah. And this is the opinion of the majority of the scholars. And it is the old, is the, is the, what it was narrated from the old of the, the early Hanabila. Even the Hanabila themselves, who the later ones say is obligatory, the early ones, the like al-khiraqin, mukhtasar, and also what Imam Ahmed actually narrated from him, his speech himself, is that the hadith is weak, that makes it obligatory. So therefore it's sunnah. To say bismillah before you start wudu. What if you're in the toilet? If you're in the toilet, then you don't have to say bismillah because you're in the toilet and you shouldn't say it and it's sunnah, it's not wajib. And if someone says it before they enter the toilet, then it's fine. Sorry? 
It's not a toilet, it's a shower, yani. Here, then it's the toilet, then you don't say Bismillah. Now, the ears you whip inside and outside. You put your index finger inside your ear and your thumb out on the outside of your ear. No, you don't say, you say when you leave the toilet. You don't mention the name of Allah in the toilet. Yeah, if it's a cubicle, then it's not, then you're not allowed to say inside the cubicle. So let's say there's a cubicle and there's the washroom, most place. Then it's, if it's different, then it's, it's separated. But if it's open, all open, then it's all the toilet. So it has to be a partition. So yeah, if there's a partition, then it's not. Like there. It's a room. It's a, in the wudu place, you can say Bismillah. Okay. But in the actual toilet where you open the door, you can't say You don't say Bismillah. طيب. Next one is, وَغَسْلُ الْكَفَيْنِ قَبْلَ إِدْخَالِهِمَ الْإِنَاءِ The next sunnah is to wash the face, I mean wash the hands, before you enter them into the... Bucket. You wash your hands before you put it into your bucket, into the bucket, right? And what, what we're talking about here is in the hadith of Uthman radiAllahu anhu from Umran, Mawla Uthman radiAllahu anhu. He said that I was I done wudu and he said he got the water. He took the water and then he poured he poured the water into his hand at the beginning. At the beginning. So this is at the this is at the beginning of the wudu that a person they wash their hands before they start the wudu. Okay, and that's the hadith of Uthman radiallahu anhu. That person washes his hand before he starts the wudu. Then he said after that, then he put his hand into the bucket and took it out and washed his face and washed everything else. So that shows that before you enter your hand into the bucket, you should wash your hands. This is sunnah. This is one situation. Now we have something which is similar, but it's a different situation, which is washing your hands when you wake up from sleep. Washing your hands from waking up from sleep is obligatory according to what seems to be the stronger opinion, wallahu alam. Because we have the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam That he said إِذَا اسْتَيْقَضَ أَحَدُكُمْ مِنْ نَوْمِهِ فَلَا يَغْمِسْ يَدَهُ فِي الْإِنَاءِ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَغْسِلَهُمَا فَإِنَّ أَحَدَكُمْ لَا يَدْرِي أَيْنَ بَاتَتْ يَدُهُ When a person wakes up, then don't put your hands into the bucket of water until you wash them three times, thalatan Because one of you, you don't know where your hands been at night So the scholars, they say that from this hadith, we know that washing your hands when you wake up Is obligatory before you put it into the bucket of water Any bucket of water so when a person wakes up, they need to wash him. So we have two situations here. The person he's already awake and he's about to do wudu. What's the ruling of washing his hands before he does wudu? Sunnah. Someone who wakes up, what's the ruling on him washing his hands before he puts it into the bucket? Wajib, according to some of the scholars. And others they say sunnah. Wallahu alam, it is wajib. Alhamdulillah, opinion is wajib and it's strong. The? Uh, the nose from Shaitan. I don't know about. I don't know if the scholars said it's obligatory in that situation. From what I know, it's Sunnah in that situation. I can't know if they say obligatory. Allahu Akbar. The next one is walmadmada tu walistinshaqa. It is washing, putting water into the mouth. The next Sunnah is washing, putting water into the mouth, and putting water into the nose. Yeah, gurgling water and and yeah, putting water up to the nose and blowing it out. And this is when is this done? This is done. Before the face, the sunnah is for you to wash your hand. You say Bismillah, wash the hand. So far, it's all sunnah. Then you do your mouth and nose. And the sunnah is to do it all in one, one handful. So you take one handful of water, put it in the mouth, nose, blow it out of the nose, and take it out of the mouth after that. So you, you put one handful, put it in your mouth, put it in your nose. Then with your left hand, blow it out from your nose, 
and take it and spit it out from your mouth after that. The sunnah also here is also al-mubalagha. It's for a person to do it deeply. And you put it all the way up as much as you can. As much as you can. Not until the point that it hurts you. Like in, as much as you can. And blow out. إِلَّا أَن تَكُونُوا صَائِمِينَ unless you're fasting. Because the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu said, وَبَالِغُوا فِي الْمَضْمَضَةِ وَالْإِسْتِنْشَاقِ إِلَّا أَن تَكُونُوا صَائِمِينَ And make sure you do مُبَالَغَة Go and do it properly when it comes to putting water in your mouth and your nose unless you're fasting. الْإِسْتِنْثَارِ uh, To blow it out, it's called الْإِسْتِنْثَارِ الْإِسْتِنْثَارِ Yeah, is it permissible to do mouth three times then your nose? That's permissible. I like to do uh, for example, you do your mouth, you do, you do your face, and then you do your mouth and nose. That's also permissible as well, because that, because that's all part of one one body part. The next one is wasti'abu rasi bil The next sunnah is to wipe the whole head. To wipe the whole head. And we said, what's the ruling on that? Obligatory. You have to wipe the whole head. They bring, believe it's sunnah. Why? Because they believe. Wiping part of the head is sun, is wajib. But Allah alam, wiping the whole head is, is wajib. وَمَسْحُ الْأُذُنَيْنِ Wiping the ears. The next one is wiping the ears. Wiping the ears. Why? Because the hadith of Abdullah ibn Zayd, رَأَيْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ يَتَوَضَّأُ فَأَخَذَ لِأُذُنَيْهِ مَا أَنْ خِلَافَ الْمَاءِ الَّذِي أَخَذَهُ لِرَأْسِهِ The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, he said, وَمَسْحُ الْأُذُنَيْنِ Do you guys have an addition? بِمَا وَمَسْحُ الْأُذُنَيْنِ بِمَاءٍ جَدِيدٍ That's important With new water يعني you, get, you wipe your head So when do you, when do you do your ears? After your head So you wipe your head Then you take new water And you wipe your ears How do you wipe your ears? You put your index finger Both of your index fingers You put them inside your ears Inside And your thumb You put it You wipe the outside of your ear like that Okay That is wiping the ear Taking new water is it uh, Sunnah? According to the Shafi'i and the majority of the scholars, it's Sunnah. Because this hadith. And others, Ibn Taymiyyah and others, they say it's not Sunnah. Rather, you use the same water. And it's fine. Lakin, if the hadith is authentic, then it's Sunnah. And if it is not, then it is not. Wallahu alam. Imam al bayhaqi and Al-Hakim say it is authentic. So you, get, you do take new water. The next one, the next one. Yeah? When Al-Hakim says that Al-Ashraf Muslim, we don't always accept it from him. Hakim is mutsahil sometimes in that. Yeah, yeah, so we don't always accept it from him. You don't have to do it at the same time. You don't have to do it at the same time. But I can, if you do, that's the sunnah. To put it in the fingers and then your thumb outside like that. The next one is وَتَخْلِيلُ الْلِحْيَةِ الْكَثَّةِ To do takhleel of a thick beard. What's a thick beard? The one that you can't see the skin underneath, alright? Doing takhleel is to put your fingers through, to put your fingers through the thick beard. The sunnah, right? When is it obligatory? Mm. When it's a thin beard, when you can see the skin, then it's obligatory. But when you can't see it, then it's sunnah, you don't have to do it. You put your fingers through the beard. Is that clear? Why? Because the hadith of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, the Prophet وسلم, when he would do wudu, he would put his fingers underneath, uh, through his beard from underneath. He would go from underneath the beard and put his fingers through. And the hadith of Ibn Abbas is said, the Prophet used to do takhleel of his beard. Um, the next one is, it's for a person to do takhleel, to use their fingers to 
um, wash in between the toes. Use your finger to wash in between the toes. And the sunnah here is to use the pinky finger, this finger here. Use that finger in, uh, to wipe between the, to wash between the toes. This is sunnah. Because of the hadith of Ibn Abbas also, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, إِذَا تَوَضَّعْتَ فَخَلِّ الْأَصَابِعَ يَدَيْكَ وَرِجْلَيْكَ When you do wudu, then make sure you get, you wash in between your toes and your fingers. And the way to do your toes is through the pinky finger, like that. And the way to do your fingers is like this, is to get all of your fingers and to put them in between your other fingers, your hands, like that. You put them all in between and you wipe in between. This is sunnah. Hmm. Both, because you have to do this and then this. Okay. Oh, for your feet. Yeah. This is the left, the left. Yeah. You don't have to get new water, no. You don't have to get new water. وَتَقْدِيمُ الْيُمْنَ عَلَى الْيُسْرَى The next sunnah is to do your right before your left. And to wash your right body parts before your left body parts. So when you wash your hands, which hand do you wash first? Your right. When you wash your feet, which ones do you wash first? When you wash your face, which one do you wash first? You've only got one face. So therefore you start from the top. When it comes to the face and the body parts, you only have one, you start from the top. As for the hand and the feet, that's what we mean by the right first before the left. Do you have to do the right first? You don't. And if you do, if you do left first, then it is against the sunnah. Lakin your wudu is correct. That's because the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha in Bukhari Muslim كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يعجبه التيمن في تنعله وترجله وطوره وفي شأنه كله. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used to love to start with his right in his combing his hair, and when he put on his shoes, he would start with his right combing his hair. He would start with his right, and in his tuhur, in his purification, he would start with his right, and everything he would start with his right. Hmm. Once is enough, inshallah. Once is enough. And what's the sunnah? Um, Allah, I don't know anything that mentions a specific amount of times. But if a person does it three times, then it will probably it will come under what we're going to come next to, which is at-tahara to thalath and thalath. The next sunnah is the next sunnah is to do everything three times. Hmm. أقرع أقطع الأذن يعني في his his ears are cut off. no but how if one ear is cut off how can you you only have one choice. فإن كان قد قدم اليمنى وفي الطهور يبدأ باليد اليمنى والرجل اليمنى في الوضوء وبالشق الأيمن في الغسل وأما الأذنان والخدان فيطحران معا فإن كان أقطع قدم اليمنى نعم في في سكرف يعني في بس نحن نستطيع because you do your ears at the same time you don't do your ear right نفتي if you have if you have the oh نعم صح 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 then he says If a person he you do everything three times apart from wiping because wiping is how many times? Once. You do everything three times. 
And that's because of the hadith of Uthman radiallahu anhu and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tawadda'a thalathan thalatha Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he done wudu three times in every body part And we also have the hadith of Uthman also that he done something twice He washed something twice and he washed something three times So therefore washing it once is the minimum Washing twice is better Washing three times is the sunnah And washing four times is Disliked Makruh Disliked As Bukhari narrates in his Sahih, or in, uh, Bukhari mentions in Sahih himself. Is that clear? Why? Because it is, it is a waste of water. And if a person does it out of waswas, then it becomes haram. Then it becomes haram. As for it becomes bid'ah, if someone believes that it's better, then nah. Yes, of course, it becomes bid'ah if he believes better. As for if it's out of waswas, then it's haram. Hmm. It's allowed. It's allowed and it's better than once. And is it sunnah for someone to sometimes do it twice or three times? Possibly, Allah Maybe. Hmm. Um, uh, I don't know if it's correct, but someone's mentioned that washing up is also sunnah. Al Barajim. we have the hadith in Sahih Muslim where the Prophet mentioned about, um, he said, the, the, the fitrah, sunnah al fitrah ashrun. Ten things are from the sunnah of the fitrah. And from amongst them are ghasl barajin to wash the knuckles here and here. And if any any part of the is called barajin because they get dirt in there. But is it part of wudu? Not necessarily always a part of wudu, rather it's general to wash them. And if you do it in wudu, then it's good. Wallahu mm-hmm. alam. That is the end of the sunan of wudu. Then we'll go into al-istinja in the next lesson. Bidinillah ta'ala barakallahu fikum. Any question from the sisters, we'll take them now. Wallahu alam wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين